Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. And we continue to plunge into this amazing prayer that I think you can see by now that one can say this prayer, uh, knowing what you're saying, but also each part of this prayer can lead us to so much more. And that is why sometimes it can take an hour to pray this prayer as you use every one of its petitions. And last week we saw, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I don't know if you've noticed it, but Jesus gave commentary on this prayer. He gave the prayer and then he followed it with, what can you say, appendices? He, he enlarged on it. He expanded on it. And very much so on this particular request. So here it is, right in the middle of the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. But then in verse 25, he gives a lengthy commentary on it. And let me read at least some of what he says. For the reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what will you drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. Is not life, think about that, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, (laughs) by being worried, can add a single hour, or that could be a single foot, to his life? He's saying you cannot extend your life by worry. Actually, you'll diminish your life. But also he said you can't grow an extra foot by worrying. No. And so he says, verse 28, And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field. They they grow, they do not toil, nor do do they um, spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry. Or I, I think actually the word should be do not be anxious. It's, it's, it's got that feel to it of anxiety, unease more than plain worry. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, that's Jesus' commentary on this request. Give us this day our daily bread. And he takes all of that time after the prayer to tell us about daily bread. Um... And he expands the idea of daily bread to what I uh, basically said last week. It it covers all of our physical 
needs. It, it covers here, he says, your clothing. It covers then where you live. It covers everything to do with our physical creature existence in the world today, now. It, it's a request that deals with now. In fact, um, it says daily bread. He, he's not speaking of some eternal thing. He's not speaking uh, of something that will happen in months to come. But my daily bread, as life is unfolding today, the daily grind, the going to the office, the school, doing the work of the housewife, daily bread things. In fact, um, we have found a scrap of uh, paper, the papyri, from uh, these days. You know, the archaeologists, and they dig, and they found this piece of paper from these days uh, in, in which Jesus spoke. And on the top of the paper was written this expression, daily bread. Same expression as Jesus used here. It was written on the top, and underneath it was a shopping list. That's interesting. It tells me the way people used this phrase back in the days of the Bible was to describe going to the supermarket. It's going to the corner store. It's, it's just the unfolding of the minutes and hours and interactions and necessities of living, being alive, existing in this world. Okay, we, we saw a lot of that last week. But now look at this commentary. Jesus compares the believer, the person who would be praying the prayer, he compares that person to what he calls the Gentiles. And you will hear that term quite often in, in both Old and New Testament, the Gentile. What is a Gentile? And you will be told that he's a non-Jew, which is sort of right, I suppose, if you just want a plain, simple definition. But what does a non-Jew mean? A Gentile, listen carefully, a Gentile is a person who is ignorant, not necessarily willfully ignorant, just doesn't know as a person who doesn't know, is ignorant of the revelation of God in terms of his covenant love. Okay? God had revealed himself within Israel as a God who is this fiery, passionate love for us, his creature. And out of that revelation comes what we call the Old Testament. And within that, he revealed that his love is not just a sort of niceness. His love is covenant love, committed love, love even to death, love sealed in blood, love that will never leave you, never forsake you. That was the revelation of God, the the amazing, the astonishing opening of their eyes to see this is God. This is what he's like. And the Gentiles were all those persons who didn't know that. Some had heard it from the lips of these Israelites and rejected it, willfully ignorant. But so many just didn't know it. They're Gentiles. Same today, Gentiles. Those persons who do not know that that love, that covenant love, finally defined himself in Jesus. Jesus is the covenant love of the Father. The blood of Jesus is the blood of the covenant of love, whereby he said, I, I, I will have you as my children even if I die to do it. And he died and he conquered death and rose again and we are his children because of the love that is announced and defined finally in Jesus. So, Jesus is describing, this is a believer, and this is how the Gentiles handle these things, how they handle our creature existence. So, daily bread, how do the Gentiles 
those persons who have never heard the covenant news of God's love, how do they handle daily bread? Or you could say, how do they handle all the stuff that makes up life? Or as Jesus calls it here, things, things, stuff, the daily bread. You can't live without it. But how do you handle it? That's the point. And behind the, the faith, it, it's a request. Did you get that last week? It's a request. That is, I am taking all my concerns about bread, my drink, my dwelling, my clothes, my shoes, my, my possession, my stuff, all the things that clutter up our minds. And I'm, I'm sharing that with the Father. And I'm saying to him, give me this day my daily bread. And joining God himself into my daily stuff. Now, how do the Gentiles handle that? They turn their total attention to the stuff. They turn their attention to the bread, to the money that buys the bread, to the clothes. In fact, it becomes, and hear me very carefully here, that becomes the source of their anxiety. They turn, follow me, they turn all of their attention to the things. They turn their attention, it, it consumes them, it fills their mind, it's their waking thought. And What should we put on? What should we eat? How should we live? Where should we get the money? It, it's all consuming. And, and so it becomes the source of anxiety. They see all of this as life itself. Did you, did you hear Jesus? He was saying, you've got to hear that. He said, is eating more than life? Is the clothes you wear more than life, life, life itself? Or you could say, and I, I'll come to it more in a moment, but um, our very identity, me, I, that, that place within me where there rises within me my consciousness of person and I say I am as if I can stand outside of myself and be aware and conscious that I'm there I am that aliveness that livingness I am Jesus said you're more you you that I within you, you are more than the bread you eat. That The bread you eat is not your identity. The clothes you wear is not your identity, you see. And yet you're getting consumed with worry and anxiety about all these things. And just before we started reading there from Matthew 6, the, wor the words previous to that, he, he says that these people who do not know the love of God in Christ, he, he said that they are serving mammon. You've read about mammon. It's interesting, in the Old Testament we have many idol gods. You might remember Baal, Asheroth, Molech, uh, and they're named in the Old Testament. Well, one of them that actually isn't named in the Old Testament but comes over into New Testament days called Mammon. It was a god, I believe, up in Syria. And, and, and people worshipped this god called Mammon. But the god Mammon was a god who promised you riches. Mammon could be said as the god of those who trusted in riches. That was life to them. Life. If I have money, I'm alive. And with money I can buy things and stuff and therefore I'm alive. Mammon. You think about it. Money. Just the existence, the fact of money 
that in this world among the Gentile type of person that is power money is power if you've got money says the world then you can be you can become you can do anything you want to do isn't it interesting that echoes all the way back to the Garden of Eden where Satan's call was that you shall be as God that is you can be what you want you can do what you want and so money became the way to fulfill that satanic deceitful promise it became the means whereby I could get things and stuff in order to flesh out what I saw as identity within this world in fact that's the way one could almost define the Gentiles they are getters getters and and they're salivating and and they're, they're always uh, straining to get more get more but please understand also this that these people that Jesus speaks of they're not necessarily rich in fact in my experience around the world the persons that are in this category are almost not rich you could say that they're not the rich of this world but they have this passion that if only I could get money if only I could have wealth then then I would be then I could exist then I could do and then and then and then and then and so they might not have a penny in the bank but they dream and they lust and they long and they spend their life trying if only I could be rich I was in the corner store the other day waiting to get something and in front of me there must have been ten people and all of them playing the lottery all of them spending I, I added up I heard what they were paying it was nearly five hundred dollars they paid between the lot of them before they're done buying all these bits of cards because we gotta make money and, and it's gonna fall out of the sky and we're, we're going to do this mammon mammon get things get things and then you'll be somebody get money then people will listen to you be rich and then and then and then these people said Jesus they seek they seek it's like a what can I say they they're always looking for it it's it's in their thoughts whether they will be a legal way or an illegal way but they're going to get it that they, they must have more and they must have more and when they've got more then they say was it enough was it enough is it going to carry me through what what if I lose it all I've heard that that's usually those who have it and having got it now they sit in anxiety that they might lose it and and, and then uh, when they count up what they've got they say what if tomorrow next year two years or what if I need more than this and so it goes on this unease this discontent this fretfulness that comes under the umbrella of the word anxiety that deals with vague thoughts uh, about tomorrow and what might be and could be what if control such people they live by what if and of course what if this well I, I don't know nobody knows because what if is the key that unlocks the door to nowhere what if what if we have no idea of the future but what if attempts to go there but it's a place of ghosts and phantoms and it's all the world of Satan's deceit there's no answer to what if until we get there all this the things I say it again it, it covers my body my body of course in terms of eating of course in terms of shelter but it, it can include my body I I suddenly become discontented I, I don't like my body its shape I, I, I don't like the way I look and I want to change it oh dear I want to change it will people like me if I change it do people like me now 
oh, your body said, Jesus, all that worrying, you can't even grow another foot with all your worrying. No, where shall I live? Can we afford it? What shall I wear? I want to own this, I want to have that, consuming. And of course, TV commercials, I don't know if you ever thought of this, but TV commercials, they assume that their audience is all full of anxiety about all this stuff. They assume that. They assume that every person sitting there in front of television is full of anxiety about all stuff. And so they then fuel that anxiety by saying, you can't live without this. You're, you're, you're going to be covered in spots if you don't take this. You're, you'll be the laughing stock of the block if you don't drive this car. You've got to have these clothes. You must, or you'll be rejected by the... TV gives you the satanic lie that you are your possessions, that you are what you wear. Your identity is there. And all you get out of it is anxiety, which affects your health. It really does. Anxiety is, is actually pouring into you chemicals into your body. It creates chemicals that will destroy you. It, it, it makes your mind into mush. It, it, your emotions spiral down into despair. Your relationship in society becomes a terrible thing because now you live by envy, what other chaps have got. You live by greed, I want more than he's got. Live by a, a terrible envy that says, I'll climb over him to get more than him. Huh. And in the home, well, there is no home. You're too busy after this lust and slaking the thirst for stuff. And, and I, I don't understand altogether how it works, but anxiety brings to pass what it is anxious about. You know, the scripture says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the things desired. Well, I could put in another line there that anxiety and fear is the substance of things not desired. It's the way it works. It's the way it works. Let, let me say it one more time because it's important. Our identity, that you, who you are, that which Jesus says your very life, it, you are, you can say I am not in terms of of things or things outward You're, that's not you oh, okay. you you the real you you are not your bank account <laughs> I mean that fluctuates do, do you understand me you you the I am who's you you have a bank account but that's not you. That doesn't define you. That's not your identity. You, I am, the me, I have a house or an apartment. I have possessions. I have a car. Maybe you have a boat or whatever. But that doesn't, do, that's not your identity. That's merely things you have, you see. It's not who you are your status in society. You know, you, you may be a CEO of a company. You, you just may be a, a man working in the factory. You may be the welder down at the body shop. You may be the pastor. You may be the bishop. But do you understand me? You who may be a congressman, that's not your identity. That's not who you are. That is something you do. That is your position in society. That is not your essential self. That's not your amnes. Can I go further and say your failures in the past, they are not you. 
you may have gone through a bankruptcy, but you are not an am bankrupt. You may have gone through divorce, you may have been fired from a company, but that does not say that's you. That's something that happened to you, something you went through. Maybe mistakes that you made, but it is not you. Nor are you your successes. Successes, again, is something that happened to you. You are bigger than your resume. Are you beginning to see what I'm saying? And until I find my identity, until I know who I truly am, and realize that all these things are passing, I mean, if that's who you are, I could understand your anxiety. To, to lose it means you're snuffed out, right? I mean, if, if you are your position, if you are your salary, if you are the amount in your bank account, if that's who you are, then you, you could have disappeared by tomorrow night. I mean, all that is passing. It's very fragile. It's here today, gone tomorrow, and more so in these last years. No, you're, the, the fact is, you can lose all these things and who you are remains. For you are more than all of that. And if you had given your life to the gaining of all those things, believing that they defined you and gave you identity, you are in some mess when it all collapses. And I say that to pastors, evangelists, whatever, if you see your identity in terms of that service you perform, you, you can be in a lot of trouble. Life and ministry is more than what you do. Many times when I come to these persons that I've tried to describe who see their very self and identity in their possessions and and in their salaries and in their homes and when you get to really see them they're frightened, terrified, little tiny persons deep down inside all that stuff who don't really know who they are or where they're going or why they're here. Now Jesus in this passage we read and in this request of prayer yes it's this is all bound up in Father Give us this day our daily bread. And in this passage of Jesus' commentary, he marks the believer. That is, my identity is that through Jesus I have a relationship with the Father. Now, I'm not just being, what? <laughs> a, a ranter, you know? Sometimes in meetings, the preacher rants and says this sort of stuff and it just goes over people's head uh, as, as that's what preachers say. No. I am speaking of the rock bottom realities of life. My identity. The source of my life. The way I define myself in Jesus is that God is my Father. And as we saw when this prayer opened, our Father, the word there that Jesus gave us is Abba. And Abba means Dad, Papa, Daddy. I have an intimate love relationship with the Holy Daddy, Father. Jesus revealed God as Abba. That is, he revealed God as love. So God is all power. He's almighty. But, but if you just simply pray to God almighty, you've missed the whole jolly point. He's not God almighty. He is love and power that he is is almighty love big difference 
and going to some areas where they will continually tell you God is sovereign. Well, he is. It's sovereign in his love for us. He chooses to love us when there's no reason within creation that he should. He's sovereign, but it's sovereign love. Look, I, I, I don't want to get off on this, but I think it's appropriate here. We say, you know, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe? What do you mean by that? See, I shouldn't have said that. There's an hour hanging here. Now, look, right at the heart of when we say we believe upon Jesus, we believe Jesus as the revealer, the explainer, the exegeter of God. John 1.18, no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is in the bosom, in the most intimate relationship, face to face, cheek to cheek, eye to eye, God, in the embrace of God, Jesus has explained him. Jesus explains God. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is called the faithful witness. Or another of those visions of John in Revelation, it says he, he, he had uh, upon his thigh faithful and true. And one of the major things that Jesus said of himself was, I am the truth. Or uh, along with that, he said, I am the way, the way to the Father. Well, so it means that Jesus has revealed, that's the mission of Jesus. He's revealed God within himself. He's revealed God the Father. And he says of himself that his witness is true. He is the truth and there's no shadow of turning or deceit in him. What he tells you it's faithful, it's true, for he is the only one that's ever made footprints on this earth that comes from the heart of God to tell us the heart of God. Jesus is that faithful witness. To believe him is, I believe that. I believe the Father is love because Jesus said so and Jesus is that love being demonstrated. I believe the Father. And Jesus revealed the Father as that, what can I say? That limitless, personal, objective, real. Did you get all of that? Well, well let me put it this way. He, God is not your imaginary friend. He's not someone made up in your imagination to make you feel sort of good. You're, you're not alone. No, he's not your imaginary friend. He's personal, objective. It means he, he's, not, uh, he's not you projecting. He's real. He, he's, he's so real beside him, you don't look real. You look like a ghost. He's so real, so real. He's not your imaginary friend. He's your personal, objective, real father who passionately loves you and is committed to you. In Jesus, who is the final word and expression of that love. And he's not, what can I say? He's not magic. Do you, do you understand? There, there are people who believe that if you say the right words, if you get the formula right, then this thing that they call God comes through. Oh, you'll find them in Christian churches too. Um, it's, he's not a formula. He's not some spell that Christians say, and if you say it right, it works. When you pray, it's not playing some sort of uh, heavenly lottery. But who knows, you might get lucky today and God will answer you. Please, I'm not just ranting here. Think about this. He's real. Jesus reported him and said this is what he's like. This is what he's like. 
your heavenly father, he said, he knows. He is involved in all the stuff. He's involved in all the things. He knows, and that word knows means he has a complete. He knows completely. He sees everything, and he sees it in love. And he says he's not just God. He's not just power. He's not just a formula. He's your daddy. He sees what you're in. He knows what you're going through. And he is the limitless giver. The Gentiles, because there's nobody out there for them, they're all forgetting, getting. They've got to get more because who knows what today or tomorrow or the next day holds. But Jesus introduces us that we are children, children, children of Father. And Father loves us, and Father cares for us, and Father, the very name means provider, protector. And he's the giver. So the Gentiles are about getting. We're in a, what, family that's all about Father giving. You, let me say it again, I said it last week, you are. Oh, if only I could get you your face in my hands and tell you. You are the beloved child of Abba. You are. Because it's got nothing to do with you or your behavior. It's got everything to do with Father's being love. And being love gave God from God who is love in our flesh and brought that love to finale. Yes. Do you believe on Jesus? See, Jesus said this. Jesus' presence is this happening. So do you believe him? Do you believe his report concerning the heart of the Father and then concerning himself? You are favored. Or as Romans puts that, if God be for us, for us, favor means an intentional bias toward. God's not only on your side, he's crazily for you. Has an intentional bias. You're his beloved child. He loves you. He listens to you. He hears your every word. Which means, I say it again, he's then totally involved in our physical lives, our creature existence, and all that goes with it. All the material, all the stuff, and all the things. Not merely in what persons call spiritual by which I think they mean invisible and totally disconnected from earth and where I live. I'm not sure what they mean, but something like that. Or, or they say he's only concerned with the heavenly, which I think they mean as long as he can get you to heaven when you die, it's all that's it. Up until then, just hang out and do your best. But no. He says he's concerned with daily bread, with things, with clothing. He's not, I'll put it this way, he's not only concerned with who I am, my inmost essential self. He's also concerned with the clothes I put on that I am, and the possessions I have, and the house I live, and the car, and the bicycle, I whatever, my job, and... And I find it fascinating where the request is in the prayer. Have you ever saw, thought about that? Say, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Deliver us from evil. Just a minute. Just a bit. He, he, Jesus said, pray about these material things before you get to pray about forgiveness 
What? And pray about material things before you deal with overcoming the devil. What? Have you noticed this? It's smack in the middle of the prayer. So when he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he goes immediately to your physical needs. And then I, I, I see, what, what's he saying? I, I, I'm so spiritual, you see. I, I tell him I want to talk about forgiveness and I want to talk about spiritual warfare and overcoming the devil. And he said, let's talk about tomorrow's dinner. Hmm. Are you beginning to see how important this is in my relationship? The physical, the material, the daily grind, the job, things. That is where my relationship to my Heavenly Father is worked out. Minute by minute, hour by hour. You will learn your walk with God in the midst of wondering where tomorrow's meal is coming from. You will work out your relationship to God standing in the clothing store wondering if you can afford to buy the clothes for the kids. Do you understand? And I think you know that's true. It's true. What is he saying in this request and in this commentary? He is saying that my creature life in all its smallness is united with the Holy Trinity, with the Father through Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit overshadowing and making it all happen. And certainly this is part of, is by no means all of it, by no means all of it, but it's part of your will be done on earth. Daily bread. It's all about earth, where we live. As it is in heaven, where there's no need and no poverty. And so that makes us radically different to the Gentiles. They are living to get stuff to shore up their very fragile understanding of who they are. We live before a Father who loves us and gives and personally shares in our daily life. What separates us from the Gentiles? I mean, God, God doesn't love the Gentiles. God loves the Gentiles in exactly the same way. But they don't know it. No one's told them. Or they've intentionally rejected such a harebrained idea. So the only difference is that we have responded. We've said our yes to Father's love defined in Jesus. And I've come to the realization that my I am, my essential self is not in things, it's not in positions, it's not in what I'm doing, it's not in what I have, it's who I am, now united to the Father, the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, Christ in me. I, I am a child of the Father, I'm a child of the Father. And he's not my imaginary friend, he's for real. And I'm not imagining stuff about myself, it's real. I am a child of the Father. Which means I wake up in the morning to my Father's hello. He's been there all night in my bedroom watching over me longing for me to wake up to talk to me. I'm not alone. I'm not abandoned in this world with all its craziness. I'm, I'm not left here to my self-power and my wisdom, which amounts most of the time to foolishness. I am in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus in me, and me in Christ, in the Father. Relationship. 
which produces in that I am a joy that all this other stuff out here cannot take away. A peace that cannot be shaken. So, there's no more anxiety now of getting stuff in order to prove my identity. You see, you're, you're free from the tyranny of must-have in order to be. So that means for the first time in my life I'm free to really enjoy money. Because you see, it's no longer the source of my joy or the source of my peace or the source of my security. My father is. So I'm left just to enjoy money. And it's not my identity and it's not... I, I don't care if my neighbor has got ten times more than me nor do I despise my other neighbor for having half of what I've got. It doesn't matter. Because I live in total acceptance. I have the majesty and the honor of God through Jesus Christ bestowed upon me. All things that money can't buy, so money's got nothing to do with it. I'm free to enjoy. For the first time I can enjoy my house because I don't have to live there to prove something. You know, those poor, wretched prisoners who have to live in a neighborhood to prove that they're somebody. Good grief. What a tyranny. You have to have that job to prove to your neighbors you're important. Dear Lord, you're so important. God himself in Christ died for you makes you one of the lords, ladies of heaven. But now you see, I say honestly, now you can enjoy your money. And you can know that your needs are the concern of your father. And if you have position, you don't despise it. But for the first time, it doesn't prove anything. It's rather a privilege bestowed upon you by God for you to serve your fellow human beings, not there to crush them. And, and if you're a politician for the first time, you're not making decisions to advance your own political career, but you're here to serve people in the love of God. You, you recognize your positions in society and in job is a sacred honor. And all of us who work, we work unto the Lord by serving our fellows. And we receive our paycheck through the employer, through our customers, but from the hand of our Father. Oh, said Jesus, don't you get it? Look at the birds of the air. I've never seen a bird go out in the morning to plant seed. He said, your father feeds them. He said, look at the, look at the lilies of the field, the, the flowers that grow. Look at their wonder. He said, Solomon, all his glory was never arrayed like one of these. You'll never find anything like this in Fifth Avenue. They, he said, this, but they didn't toil they didn't spin your father made them that way and do you realize that probably 90% of every flower he made no one will ever see it he makes it just for the sheer joy the fun of doing it and because he loves the artistry and color and he said the, the, the birds and the, the creatures they, they are carefree in the care of God, their creator. Now he says, you are standing at the peak of creation. You're made in the image of God. You're lords of all creation. And above and beyond that, Jesus Christ has included you into himself. Don't you, don't you think you're worth more than birds and flowers? We're a little different to birds and flowers. 
And that's why we celebrate our image bearing by working. That's why we, we, we choose to believe the report of who God is in Jesus Christ. And we give thanks and we say our yes and we work in tandem with the God who gives all, but we are carefree. We're not defined, I say, by our paycheck. We're not, we're not defined by possessions. We're defined by our Father who has sworn with the oath of his love that he cares and he protects and he looks after us. You say, but I know many believers that are anxious. <clears throat> so do I. James, I believe it's chapter 1, speaks of it as the man who goes and looks in the mirror and as soon as he walks away forgot totally what he looked like. And he said, you can look into this perfect law of liberty, the gospel, and see what it says you are in your relationship to the Father. And he says, completely forget what it says and begin to live as if he never said it. Our anxiety, our anxiety is forgetting forgetting who God is, forgetting our relationship to Him, forgetting that He is the real, and thinking of Him as an imaginary friend that disappears when times go rough. And we default to Gentile thinking. And sometimes defaulting to Gentile thinking, you see, but you, you, you go to church, you're a believer, so... You can't really default to Gentile thinking, not really, because you pray. But if you, if you haven't seen these things I'm trying to share, of our relationship and life within that relationship and God himself being the source of our life, if we, if we, we don't see that, then prayer becomes merely sharing our anxiety with God, thinking that he's as panicky as we are. And our prayers are just a litany of, oh dear God, help me. Um, we, we've actually become anxious over our anxiety. And we're sharing our anxiety about our anxiety with God. We become obsessed with, how are you going to do this? When are you going to do it? What are you going to do to do it? Jesus said, Holy, your father knows. Prayer is not giving him new information. Prayer is entering into this relationship to the full and resting there in his love that he knows it all and in ways that are beyond me, beyond my agendas, beyond the way I thought he would, beyond it all, he's my father. And I, I take a lesson from the birds and I live my life with carefree abandon in his care. I work and I give thanks to God for my work. I give thanks for the strength with which to do it. Recognizing he gives the work, it's part of his favor. He opens the doors, he gives me position, it's part of his favor. And I thank God the doors will continue to open. If I don't have a job, then I can give thanks to God that right now he's my provision and also he's opening up new opportunities, maybe drawing new depths of creativity, maybe to do things I'd never dreamt of doing while I was locked into a job. You see what I mean? So Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek. What, what does that mean, plain English? It means keep looking. I, I know people, they can go through a day and never see God all day long. He's everywhere. He's moving in every tiny detail. He's pro you. He's intentionally biased toward you. And he's showing up all over the place. And we go through like a Gentile. And don't see him at all. Seek. Seek first. He said, first. When you, when you got that first, you're seeing God. And if you say, well, it's as black as night, then look through the night, 
through it, to look through the situation and see God is with you and for you and when you come the other side you'll see all that he was doing while you couldn't see a thing. Seek that first. Then everything else will fall into its place. Which means your thoughts will begin to be adjusted to the truth as it has been reported to you by Jesus. And instead of thinking thoughts that would destroy you and leave you spiraling into a dark despair, you can turn over and go to sleep. You know your father knows, your father cares, your father's working. You can go to sleep. You will control your words. Watch your words. People say, I am broke. See, there you go. I am, I am. No. Your I am, you are a child of the Father. You are an heir to riches, the wealth of Jesus Christ, which meets every need according to his riches in glory. Incidentally, not to be a fat cat, but to be one who revels in his love to you and then revels in giving and becoming his love to others. But be careful what you say. I am this, I am that, I no, no. They are things that are presently happening to you. But it's not your amness, you see. Not your amness. Your attitudes, your hopes, they're not controlled by things. They're controlled by your relationship to your Heavenly Father. So, what can I say? I suppose one last thing. How do you not be anxious? I mean, that's when you really come back to what I just said. You're full of anxiety about your anxiety. I, I'm, I'm trying to not be anxious. And because I don't seem to have much success, then I'm anxious over my continuing anxiety. How do you not be anxious? How do you enter into this beautiful, carefree living that Jesus is reporting to us here. Well, I think in Philippians 4, Paul picks up directly upon this. In Philippians 4 verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing. Strong word in English. Maybe stronger yet in the Greek language. Be anxious for no, not one thing. But in everything, Play with no thing, everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, there you have it. Be anxious for nothing. How, how do you be anxious for nothing? By doing something else. Not by trying to stop it. If you try to stop anxiety, it will double up on itself. You be anxious for nothing by doing something else. In everything by prayer and supplication. And, and that word prayer, I can't talk about it. Now we've got three minutes. But the word prayer and supplication... It's a very old English word and it's become a religious word. But prayer actually means to begin with the way you think, thoughts. And, and, and those thoughts then become words. And, and so basic meaning of prayer and supplication, it says, but, but by your thoughts and your words that end up in request to God, <laughs> that's it. You, you, you beget your thoughts now turn to your Father in heaven and your conversation begins to be that he gives me my daily bread. He knows and he cares. And I present to him the latest need. And incidentally, this Philippian scripture, it's in the tense, the, 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 the verbs here, as almost everywhere in the New Testament, is continuous. And so it's a bit awkward to say it, but it would actually be you never, under any circumstances, be anxious. 
but in everything and continually by prayer, with continuing habitual thanksgiving, habitually, continually make your requests known to God. So, of course, as the needs present, I hand them over to my Father and give him thanks. Well, there it is. Come and join this carefree band of believers who are carefree resting in the care of God, to walk into their world, to responsibly do their job, pay their bills, as they walk in tandem with this incredible God, Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. May that be yours. And the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, His blessing be with you. The blessing of the Holy Spirit who now takes you by the hand and leads you into such a life of carefree faith rooted in the being and words of Jesus. So I bless you with such a life that is in him. May it be so, now and evermore. Amen.